Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. I, uh, Gord mentioned we're back in the deep freeze. You know, um, it was Bruce's month to be praying for the weather in January, and he was away at the beginning of the month. I don't know if you noticed, so I was covering for him. He got back here a couple weeks ago, and it's gone downhill ever since. <laughs> don't, don't hold it against him, though. You can talk to him after. Um, hey, listen, we're in our last week of our Fixer Upper series, where we've been looking at doctrine. And our hope through this series has been that one of two things, either as you are laying the foundation of your faith in God, as you're just coming to Him, getting to know Him, and beginning to understand what this is all about, that you're laying down some good foundation by understanding some of this doctrine, or that you are um, maintaining the course according to our doctrine. Maybe you've been walking with him for years, and there's a tendency, especially with the winds that blow in the world around us, that we sometimes drift a little bit. And so as we've gone through this series, we're hoping that we'll be able to make sure that our course is set and that we're staying on course through life. So uh, this morning, we're going to continue and finish off with the doctrine of reconciliation. And we've got a ton of ground to cover here this morning, so I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to launch right into it and see if we can get, get it all covered. So if you'd bow with me, let's pray. Father, today again, as we come to you and as we spend this time together with one another and especially with you, Father, we would just pray that you would come alongside us now and that you would enable us to engage with you in different and new ways, that you would provoke in us new thoughts about who you are and what you've done, that you would help us to understand better what you've accomplished through your Son, Jesus Christ. And that as we understand these things and as we learn and as we grow, that then you would also take and that you would move us out uh, going forward into the world around us, that we would be a testimony for you. And Lord, we pray this from week to week, Always the same, because that mission doesn't change, and that mission is not complete. And so to that end, again, we ask for your blessing upon us today, and we ask these things in your Son's name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right. According to the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relationships and of peace where before there had been hostility and alienation. And ordinarily, it also includes the removal of the offense which caused the disruption of peace and harmony. So as we're talking about reconciliation then, we're we're talking about the restoration of relationship. And specifically this morning, as we talk about reconciliation, the doctrine of reconciliation, we're talking about the restoration of man's relationship with God. So that's where we're going. That's what this is all about, what we're going to be talking about this morning. And here again today, we're going to see that 
reconciliation has been accomplished for us by Jesus Christ. That it isn't something that we've been able to accomplish on our own, but rather, like we've seen in all of the other cases, in the, our atonement, in justification, in sanctification, that these things were accomplished for us by Jesus. We're going to see that again this morning in reconciliation. So I'm not going to try and belabor that point today. I think as we've looked at these different areas in the previous weeks, we've seen this laid out for us in Scripture in abundance. And so this morning, I just want to refer you to a couple of Scriptures that make this point clear with respect to reconciliation. First of all, Ephesians 2, verses 14 to 18 say this, For He Himself, this is speaking of Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Romans 5, verses 10 and 11 say this, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So, again, as we turn to Scripture, we see that that's the case. Jesus is the one that has accomplished this for you and I. By Christ, in Him and through Him, you and I can have restored relationship with God today as we place our faith in Jesus. And I am dry as all get out today. So it's been accomplished by Christ. Done deal. Settled. And as we think about that, it's, you would be forgiven for starting to get justification and reconciliation maybe a little bit confused in your mind because they're both accomplished. We've been justified and we've been reconciled to God. But we have to keep in mind this morning that there is a clear distinction between justification and reconciliation. Justification refers to the resolution of our legal standing before God, like Bruce talked about in week two. And reconciliation is about the restoration of our relationship with God. So our legal standing versus our relationship. Justification versus reconciliation. So keep those distinct in your mind as we think about these things. Don't get them confused because there are two different things that Christ accomplished. Now, in reconciliation, we are getting down to the nub, if you will, of what God has done in that He's created us for reconciliation. And so as we see that Christ accomplished reconciliation... We understand then that Christ's atonement, His justification, His sanctification 
are all in view of reconciliation, that all of these things were accomplished in order that ultimately we could be reconciled with God, that our relationship with Him could be restored. And as an aside here now, but because it pertains, I want to just speak to something that's a little bit interesting to me. We talk about being created in the image of God. Back in Genesis, we're told that, that we've been created in the image of God. And we've pondered that down through time. What exactly does that mean, to be created in the image of God? Well, I'm not here to tell you this morning that God looks like me. I don't think it's in our physical beings that we've been created in the image of God. Sometimes we wonder, maybe it's because we've been endowed with a a sense of humor, that that's somehow in the image of God. And we ponder it in different ways. We try and understand that. What does that exactly mean? I think that there is a case to be made That as God says that we have been created in His image, He is speaking of His relational nature. And He has that strongly in view as He tells us that we've been created in His image. Now, we understand that God is relational in and of Himself by virtue of His relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so he exists in relation. We see also in Scripture that we're created for relationship with him. And so as we consider that fact, that this is who God is, in and of himself, and as we consider the fact that he has created us to have relationship with him, I really wonder if this isn't really primary and foremost in his mind as he tells you and I today that we have been created in his image that we've been patterned, that we've been fashioned after Him. And keep that in mind as we go forward, because that's going to come to bear, I think, a little bit more as we get into the rest of this message. Now, we won't pursue it any further other than to say this. At the end of the day, that we, need, we need to understand that relationship is of primary importance to God. Primary importance to Him. Therefore, God has accomplished our reconciliation, the restoration of our relationship through Jesus, which is amazing, which is wonderful. And herein, as we begin to see that fact, we also begin to see something else. We recognize now that we have been redeemed, that we have been saved not just from something, but that we have been redeemed and we have been saved to something. So as we look at these areas of doctrine, it's really significant for us to understand this morning that we haven't just been saved from death and hell, although that's amazing, and significant in and of itself, and in no way am I trying to belittle that. We need to understand that we have not just been saved from out under the, the, the bondage of sin, although that's significant and important, and we need to understand that true, too. 
But we also need to understand today that we have been saved now to something which is primarily, first and foremost, relationship with God. So we are saved going forward with something in mind. Our relationship with Him. And also with His people. Which we're going to come back to in a minute. Now let's look at this in Scripture. Let's understand this from Scripture itself. First of all, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. And here I'm going to be using the NASB version because I think it's a little bit clearer here. It's translated a little bit more word for word, and I think the intent and the purpose comes through a little bit more clearly here. So the NASB, Colossians 1, 19 to 22. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is Jesus, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated, and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him. Now this is God. To present you before God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So here we understand now that as Christ has accomplished all of these things that we've been talking about over the past few weeks, it's all in order that He would now be able to present you before God. Not that you would remain distant and detached. Not that these things would be done, but that God would somehow still be removed, but rather that you would be brought together with Him. Ephesians 2, 13 and 18 back that up. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through Him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We're brought now to the point where we have access to God. And 1 Peter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Now that's amazing. That from the outset of time, God has been planning and has been accomplishing his plan in such a way that we would be reconciled with him and that we would be brought back together with him into relationship with him. That despite everything that we've done to disrupt, damage, obliterate our relationship, that God has found a way for that to be restored through Jesus. And herein, then we find 
the objective side of reconciliation, if you will. We see that Christ has objectively worked for all of our benefit. He has opened up a way for everyone to have a relationship again with God. But this morning, we also need to understand the subjective side of reconciliation. We need to understand reconciliation in its subjective sense, which is to say our response to Christ's work. James 4.8a says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Which points us to the fact that we have a part now to play in this relationship, that we are to initiate as we have now seen Him having initiated the opportunity, the option for us to now engage in that relationship with Him. That He's accomplished it on this grand level through Christ. And that now it is ours to pursue that relationship with Him. That we can instigate and should instigate that. Three quick examples of this from Scripture this morning. Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 22. Let's start there. Therefore, the writer says, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, Christ's body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The writer here calls us now. Those of us that have placed our faith in Christ. Those of us that call ourselves and count ourselves as children of God by virtue of what Christ has done for us. Now, we are to draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. You and I today, because of what Jesus has done, should have the full assurance, the full confidence that we can come to God. God Almighty Himself, the Creator of heaven and earth, that we can come into His presence that we are not kept at bay, somehow kept away from Him. But now rather because of what Jesus Christ has done to us, that we can come to Him Himself. And have relationship with Him. Where is Bob? I am not getting any amens. Amen. That... That is stupendous. And we can't sit back, church family and friends, this morning and consider this just theoretical somehow, as somehow just academic. That it's, it's a fact and leave it at that. We've got to engage in it. We need to revel in it. 
We need to wallow in it. We need to pursue it, develop it, exploit it to its absolute nth degree because we have an audience with God, a relationship with him where he's interested in you and he's interested in me today. Can you imagine having a relationship with, and pick, pick your person, whoever is favorite to you. I always think about it in terms of the President of the United States, not so much maybe lately, but anyways. Um, the, the option, can you imagine having the option to walk into his office at any time, sit down at the desk and say, I've been thinking, how are you doing? What are you, what's going on? I've got this idea. <laughs> and then never actually take advantage of it. So oftentimes I think that that's how we are as followers of, of God today. We've been given the backstage pass, whatever you want to call it, and we don't actually use it. Or if we do, we do it in such weak ways, milky toast ways, such one-dimensional ways, maybe. The writer of Hebrews says that we need to come with full assurance into God's presence because of our faith in Christ and what he's accomplished. Let's look at another area. Psalm 95, verses 1 to 7. The psalmist says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the, king, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are, his, are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. For he is our God, and we are his people. Psalmist tells us, come to God and praise him. Come and worship him for all he is and all that he has done. Come and praise him when things are going well in your world, when things you're just excited about life and creation and all that's going on. Come. Come to God with that. Recognize that it's a gift from Him. Come and thank Him. Come and praise Him in the middle of all those things. Again, we tend to keep those to ourselves. When things are going well, we share that with our friends. We share that with our family sometimes. We share that maybe with a colleague at work or what have you. But do we share it with God? Do we come and pursue that with Him and just, again, unpack the fact that this is all through Him? That it's all gifts to us because of Him? That in His relationship with us, that He is blessing us? caring for us, providing for us. 
We need to come and share that with him and allow him to speak into our lives again in that whole process so that we would recognize his goodness to us, that he would become more and more real, the relationship would become more and more tangible as we do because he will respond. He will meet you in that. He'll come alongside you and say, dude, get ready. You haven't seen anything yet. There's more to come, buddy. There's more to come. Let's look at Hebrews again. Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Here, the writer encourages us on a whole different level again. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven now, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we pro- profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. On the other end of the spectrum now, the writer of Hebrews encourages us when we're in need, when we need mercy, that we're to come to God, that we're to come into his presence And that we would petition him for those things. That we would take him up on his offer that his mercies are new every morning. And that we would engage with him in that. When we're not feeling like we're able to come to God, that's when we should especially come to God. When we feel like we're not worthy, we're to come to God. And allow him to build into our lives Allow him again to demonstrate who he is, that he would lift us up, that we would know his comfort, that we would know his peace, that we would have that assurance that comes from him in the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of the circumstances where we are abysmal and utter failures, we're to come to God and allow him to touch us and allow him to grow us and allow him to build us. And that as we do again, that we would grow. We can't help it. Whenever you encounter God, you cannot help but grow. Your relationship becomes stronger. It becomes better. It becomes bigger. So because of what Christ has done, because of his reconciling work, we're to come to God. Don't, Don't miss it. Don't let it just settle here. Let it get all the way down to here where it causes us to change the way that we work. Reconciliation this morning, church family and friends, is not just to be looked at and admired. It's not just to be talked about and lauded. The relationship that Jesus Christ restores is to be practiced 
diligently and intentionally day by day. So this morning, we need to exercise our reconciliation. We need to, better stated, pursue our relationship with God. We need to draw near so that he will draw near to us. But there's more. This morning, we also need to promote reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20 say this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now listen. Paul is speaking into yours and my world today. Every bit as much as he was speaking into the Corinthians world then. So hear him today speaking to you, saying that now the message and the ministry of reconciliation is yours. That as you come to faith in him, that now the message and the, re- the ministry of reconciliation has been handed by him to you, by Christ to you. The football's in your hands. It's in my hands. It's in our hands. We are to go as Christ's ambassadors spreading the word that God is no longer holding man's sin against him. But rather that he has restored and resolved that issue. Restored our relationship with God through Christ. And that we can have relationship with the one true living God. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Church family and friends, because of Christ's reconciliation, he is now given to us the ministry of reconciliation to carry that forward with the Spirit. There is no higher mission today for you or I. There is no higher calling today for you or I. There is no more significant honor or privilege today for you or I. than to be named as Christ's ambassadors. To be counted as one with him. And now to take forward the message of what he has done. 
for you and I and for the rest of the world out into the world. This morning, we hear that, don't we? And what do we do? We say, well, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not fit for that. I'm not able to do that. And this morning, listen in your hearts right now as God says to you, oh yes, you are. Because of the work of my Son and what He has accomplished. Because of who He is and what He's done. And by virtue of my Spirit and the work that He is now doing in you and through you, you are worthy, fit, and able. We need to understand this morning, as His people, as God's people, that because of who God is and because of what He has done, by definition, His call is always going to be from above us. It's always going to be bigger than we are. And so it's always going to be for us then to reach up and live up to the calling that we have received from Him. And the fact is that because of Him, not only has He called us, but He's also provided for us such that we can live up to that call through Christ and through the Spirit. Therefore, then we need to step up to that call. There's one last area that I want to try and cover this morning. One more piece that I want to address with respect to the reconciliation that Christ has provided. Ephesians 2, again, verses 15b to 16 says this. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. With respect to our reconciliation in Christ and his making us into one new humanity, we need to understand that God has broken down all barriers between us, all barriers between followers of God. And he has made us one. Which is to say then that we are to be in good relationship with one another. We talked about this a little while ago when we were going through the book of Ephesians. And so I'm not going to actually reiterate that now or regurgitate it. Instead, I want to address a different point. And here this morning... Perhaps I am drifting into the doctrine of the church a little bit and drifting out of the doctrine of reconciliation. But while I'm this close, I want to address it. At the outset of this series, I mentioned that a concern of ours is that we are beginning to accept and promote even the idea that we can build our own personal faith. That we can somehow 
build our own doctrine of God, of man, that we can make our own way. But I think this morning that a part of that problem stems from the broader issue that we see in our world today where individualism reigns supreme. Which is to say that we are the most important things in creation. And that everything should then somehow revolve around us. And we see that playing out, and we're, that is fed into us. It's, it's in, we're indoctrinated with that idea over and over and over at every turn, from the time that we're this high to the time we die. That it's all about me, myself, and I. Such that we have lost a sense, even in the church, specifically within the church, we've lost a sense of the corporate nature of our faith. Which is to say that you and I are not lone rangers in our faith. But that as we come to God, as we become the children of God, that we're brought into relationship with God, but also with one another. And that therefore then we can't pursue our faith independently. That we need to pursue our faith within the context of the body. So what I'm saying here is, in other words, that the preeminence of the individual in our society has crept into our understanding of our relationship with God. Such that we think that the individual and personal aspects of our faith are more important and have been elevated over and above and to the detriment of the corporate interpersonal nature of our faith. And that we're busy pursuing God on our own basis from our own standpoints as individuals. And we're omitting and we're missing our understanding and our relationship with Him through the bigger body. So the prevailing idea is that we can successfully pursue God in isolation. I don't need you, and you don't need me. We've each got God, and we're good. This morning, I really want to challenge you to think about that. Because that flies in the face of Scripture over and over and over again. God's purpose is to create in Himself one new humanity who will be in relationship with Him and in relationship with one another. One of, if not the biggest metaphor in the Bible, is that the body of Christ is exactly that, a body. That we are one body part of one thing, all working together. Together, the children of Israel were to be an example of that 
They worshiped God together. They fellowshiped together. They learned about God together. And they served together. And they were to be a demonstration to the world around of who God is and what He's done. And in no small respect this morning, as that broke down, so did their nation. So did their testimony for God. I think we're seeing the same thing today in our world and in the church. We are becoming increasingly alienated and divided, isolated as his followers. Out of our garage, to church, back into our cars and into our garages. Maybe not even that. It's been exacerbated and accelerated by COVID. Now we don't even go out of our garage to church in lots of cases. We don't get together. Other than maybe online. The corporate nature of the body of Christ is breaking down at an alarming rate. We've decided that we can worship on our own from a distance. We've decided that we can fellowship on Facebook or what have you. We've decided that I can learn by myself. And if I really need to, maybe there's somehow, somewhere I can serve. Probably I might just look after that by writing a check. And this morning I want to venture to say that as we do that, as we allow that to creep into our understanding of our relationship with God and our relationship within the body, we do so to our peril. And if not ours, then to the peril of our kids and our grandkids. And I've seen it happen, and I'm seeing it happen day by day. We decide that we can go it alone. Pretty soon we're not doing anything. And even though we might make it, I'm seeing the kids falling away. I'm seeing grandkids falling away. They're not picking up on that, what mom and dad hold to be true, believe. They're not seeing it practiced. There's an account from D.L. Moody that I came across just recently. The story goes that a fellow came to Moody that great preacher from Chicago. And he informed Moody that he didn't need the local church. That he would be fine just following God on his own. And so that he wouldn't be coming to church. And so over the weeks, Moody would try and visit and would try to persuade him in the error of that philosophy and that approach. And one day while he was sitting in the man's home in front of the fire, Moody had kind of run out of things to say. They had reached kind of the point of silence. And then Moody did something interesting. He reached out and he took the tongs from the fireplace. And out of the fire he plucked an ember and he put it on the hearth in front of the man. And then he just watched as the ember burned out and the fire continued to burn. 
And they sat in silence for a few moments. And then the man looked at Moody and said, I'll be in church next Sunday. Church family and friends, I am convinced that we will never understand the full extent and the potential of our reconciliation and restored relationship with God until we are a part of and participating in the community of his body. Where that becomes a priority and where we mine that to its fullest extent, just as we do our personal relationship with him as well. Let's pray. Father, today, we thank you again for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you might work in our hearts and our minds again today, that we would be serious about reconciliation. Father, that you would take it and that you would make it real and tangible in our lives, for each one of us, each one that knows you and has placed their faith in you. Father, that you would help our individual embers to burn brightly in the fire of the faith of your body in such a way that we would be able to know you more. in such a way that we would understand you better, in such a way that we would pursue you diligently, and in such a way that you could use us to reach more, to touch others. So to that end, God, again, I pray these things all for Christ's sake on account of who he is and what he has done. Amen. Hey, listen, after that, I've got great news. Next week, we're starting a new series called Who Me? And here to kick it off is none other than our own Jason Howdell. I don't know, yeah. Exactly. Jason came to me a little while ago and said that he feels God's call on his life to maybe begin to speak a little bit for him. And so he's been pursuing that, and we've finally got this opportunity where Jason's going to come and speak to his home church, which is really cool. And so that's, I'm excited about that. I'm stoked about that. So he's going to launch us off as we launch into a series about Joshua. So don't miss that. Come out for that next week. And in the meantime, until then, let's go be doers of the word and not just hearers. We'll see you next Sunday.